And then in the last part, he's praying for you. This is incredible. He's praying for you all these thousands of years ago, but that prayer continues to reverberate for you. Welcome to In Grace with Jim Scudder, Jr. He is the senior pastor of Quentin Road Baptist Church in Lake Zurich, Illinois, and the president of Dayspring Bible College in Mundelein, Illinois. Hi, this is Jim Scudder, and we're so thankful that you're listening to In Grace today as we are talking about the magnificent prayer of Jesus. And many people say, well, the Lord's Prayer, and and you know it by heart, and that's great, that's fine. Uh, But this is actually the real Lord's Prayer, uh, where He is praying for us. And this is called also the High Priestly Prayer of Christ, and this is found in John chapter 17. We're in a series called The Story of Jesus. We're looking at the real story, the life of Christ chronologically through the Gospels. Anytime that people say, well, the Bible's full of errors and contradictions, and they usually point to the Gospels as a source of those contradictions. Well, we've gone through this series, and we've only found a couple supposed contradictions, and it's just a matter of viewpoint and the perspective and what one person is saying that the other person doesn't say or doesn't add. And there's a logical explanation for all of these. And I don't find any contradictions in the Bible. So that's one reason for doing this series. And the other is, if we're to be like Christ, uh, we ought to study him. And going through all four Gospels uh, as, as much as we can chronologically really helps us not miss anything uh, that happened that was written. Of course, there was much that wasn't written about Christ, but uh, what was written we can use and and help us to be more like him. And so we're excited about this uh, series and this prayer that we're going to study today and tomorrow. Uh, we also want to remind you that In Grace has a television program. It's called In Grace, and it's on the largest Christian network in the world, TBN, and we're on Wednesday night. So tonight, you can check out In Grace on TBN, or you can watch us anytime on our free YouTube channel, In Grace. Search for that. And then once you find it, go ahead and subscribe and you can get alerts and you can like the video if you'd like it. And uh, that would help us reach more people with the gospel. So look for the YouTube channel, In Grace, and uh, subscribe to that. That would be great. Or watch us on TBN anytime. One last thing, uh, we have a really exciting event coming up in March, March 12th at the Quentin Road Baptist Church in the Chicago area. So those of you that listen in Chicago or Milwaukee or anywhere in the Midwest, and you want to get to know and meet the former Secretary of State of the United States, Mike Pompeo. He's going to be our special guest on a Sunday at 11 o'clock, and we would love for you to come and hear from this great American. And he's going to be talking about never giving an inch, fighting for the America I love. And this is a free ticket event, but uh, you can go to ingraceradio.com for more information on hearing and perhaps getting to meet uh, Mike Pompeo. And we also are going to be broadcasting that, so those of you that are listening and watching In Grace, you can be excited to hear what he has to say at our church. And then one last thing before we get into today's message, we are inviting you either to Alaska or to Israel or to both to find out how you can go along with In Grace on one of these trips. Go to ingraceradio.com and click on travel. There's something absolutely wonderful about children praying. Do you agree with me? There's something marvelous about it. I don't know if it's because of their innocence or because of their pure faith 
or because of their unfiltered honesty. I come across really funny prayers from kids and see if you recognize any of these from your own children. One child prayed, Dear God, my mom tells me that you have a reason for everything. I guess broccoli is one of your mysteries. <laughs> Amen? How many of you don't like broccoli? I actually like broccoli. I don't know what's wrong with me. Another child prayed this, Lord, please make my parents understand that if I don't eat salad, I do better at school. <laughs> real prayer. Here's another real prayer. The child says, Father, please forgive me for hiding my sister's doll, and please don't tell her where it is. <laughs> and this is probably my favorite. Dear God, I need you to make my mom not allergic to cats. I really want a cat, and I really don't want to ask my mom to move out. <laughs> Children's prayers are the best because of their innocence, their pure faith, and their unfiltered honesty. But prayer is a critical activity for all of us. Why is that? Why is prayer so important, key, critical in our life? Here's the reason. It's really simple. God created us for fellowship. That is why we're here. He created us to fellowship with us and us with him. For us to bring him glory. For us to bring our adoration our heart, our problems to him. Our prayers, how we do that, right? We communicate with our creator, our all-powerful, wonderful, loving, holy God by prayer. So prayer is, I would say, the most important activity we can be doing on a, not just a daily basis, but a constant basis. That closeness to communicate with our creator. Now, People often call something that we read in the Gospels the Lord's Prayer. And I know you know the Lord's Prayer. In Matthew 6, 9, after this manner, therefore pray ye, these is Jesus' words, Sermon on the Mount, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Right? We all know the Lord's Prayer. But you might not know this. Of course, it was his prayer but this really shouldn't be what we call the Lord's Prayer. For we're going to read a prayer that Jesus gave that we really should call the Lord's Prayer, and that's found in John chapter 17. As we're going through the Gospels, we're going through the different accounts of Jesus' life, we're putting them chronological and in order best we can, and we're finding that there really aren't you know, a lot of people criticize the Bible. There's all these contradictions in the Gospels. They have all these contradictions. We've come to a couple, and we've easily explained them from different perspectives. They would not include this, include this. And it's easy to understand the few. I mean, hardly. Do you all remember many? I mean, this is my 124th message in this series about the Gospels. But we're coming to the end of Jesus' earthly ministry. It's his last day 
He's walking his disciples from the upper room down to the Garden of Gethsemane. We don't know exactly the route, but it might have been a route that I've taken before, which is right outside the old city walls of Jerusalem. Maybe they went through the city. They could have gone, you know, the temple would have been in between the upper room and the Garden of Gethsemane. Maybe they went through the the temple courtyards. We don't know exactly the route. But as they walked, they talked, and Jesus is imparting his last wisdom to them, and then we're going to hear his prayer. And it's an amazing prayer. It's a, I call it a magnificent prayer. This is God praying for you. Jesus praying for you. Now the Lord's Prayer, many people just recite it. Nothing wrong with that, but God doesn't want to hear just recited prayers or written prayers or read prayers. God wants to hear what you are thinking, what you are feeling. God wants to hear from your heart, okay? The Lord's Prayer wasn't to be recited, but was to teach us elements that should be included in prayer in the manner of prayer, a model of prayer. So it's really, that prayer should be called the disciples' prayer. John 17 should be called the Lord's Prayer, Okay, so in this chapter, we're going to cover the entire chapter of John 17. In the first five verses, he's going to pray for himself. You say, well, why would he pray for himself? He's actually praying for him to bring glory to the Father. He's praying for the plan. He's praying for the work that he's about to go do, which is the most amazing thing, that God would come and die for our sins on a cross. And then... In verses 6 through 19, he's praying for his disciples. Now there's 11. He actually alludes to in this prayer, the real Lord's Prayer, the one that betrayed him or would betray him soon. And then in the last part, 20 through 26, he's praying for you. This is incredible. He's praying for you all these thousands of years ago, but that prayer continues to reverberate for you. And that's our Savior Jesus, his magnificent prayer for us. The story of Jesus. John 17, verse 1. These words spake Jesus and lifted up his eyes to heaven. Let me stop there for one second. You don't have to bow your head and close your eyes to pray. Why do we do that? Well, it's an act of reverence. And closing our eyes kind of blocks things out. But here, Jesus lifted up his face to heaven. And this is how he did it. Again, it's not to say you have to do it that way, but it's one of the ways that you can pray. And said, Father, you see that close relationship, the Father, the Son, and the Spirit, all God, but each one has a unique purpose, a unique work, a unique personality, the triune God, Father, Son, and Spirit. Father, the hour is come. It was now time. Remember how he was saying, my hour's not come, my hour's not come, my hour's not come. Remember Herod tried to kill him as a baby. It wasn't time. Remember the religious people in Nazareth tried to throw him off the cliff. It wasn't time. Remember the religious leaders in Jerusalem wanted to get rid of him weeks before. It wasn't time. Now, it's time. It's time. Why was it so important? The timing of the death of Christ. It was a predetermined time because it had to fulfill the prophecies and the picture of the final perfect sacrifice. 
My own personal opinion, Jesus died at the very moment that people were killing their family's Passover lamb right before Passover. He is our Passover. Now, I feel like that is supported in Scripture. People could argue with me on that. I know for sure he had to die exactly when he died. On the day, the hour, probably the very minute that he died, that was predetermined. So now it's time, Jesus said. The hour is come. Glorify thy son, that thy son also may glorify thee. This word glorify is doxadezo. Doxology in our English word, it's this word of magnifying. Now, how does Jesus magnify the Father. We're going to talk about that in a minute because he repeats something similar to that, and we're going to get back to that. How does Jesus magnify the Father? We know a lot more about God after Jesus lived than we knew about God before he lived, right? Because he's God. He came in the flesh. He is the Word, the Logos. He's the thoughts and expressions of God. So by knowing Jesus, we'll know a lot more about Jehovah God, the God that we read about in the Old Testament, God the Father. You're listening to In Grace with Jim Scudder Jr. Are you looking for an adventure that will take your breath away? Then check out In Grace's new series, Amazing Arches, that explores the natural beauty of God's creation. From the iconic, delicate arch in Utah to the lesser-known arches in Arizona, Colorado, and Kentucky, this series showcases the stunning diversity of these natural wonders. But it's not just about the scenery. Amazing Arches also features Ph.D. astronomer Dr. Danny Faulkner and Ph.D. geologist Andrew Snelling, who provide fascinating insights into the geology and history of these iconic landmarks. Get your copy of Amazing Arches for a gift of any amount. And when your gift is $25 or more, we'll include the popular video series, Our Awesome Universe, Big Bang or Big God. Call now at 800-78-GRACE or visit our website at ingraceradio.com or write to us at InGrace, P.O. Box 9, Lake Zurich, Illinois, 60047. You would think Jesus wouldn't need to pray, right? But he prayed. He prayed all the time. So why would he pray? Well, because he's communicating. It's unity. It's showing the fellowship within the Trinity. And that's why God created us for fellowship. He wants to be with us, talk with us, to know us, to walk with us. And so Jesus prayed a lot. Here's a list one commentator put together. He prayed at his baptism. He prayed during his first preaching tour. He prayed before picking his disciples. He prayed before and after the feeding of the 5,000. He prayed before the feeding of the 4,000. He prayed before Peter's confession of him as Christ. He prayed at his transfiguration. He prayed for children that were brought to him. He prayed when the 70 returned in ministry. He prayed before raising Lazarus from the dead. He prayed as he faced his upcoming death weeks before this. He prayed a blessing before the Last Supper. He prayed as Peter would be sifted. He prayed for Peter. He sweat drops of blood, and we're going to be getting to that soon, in the Garden of Gethsemane in prayer. He prayed while on the cross, Father, forgive them. He prayed with the two disciples on the road to Emmaus. They got to a village, they sat down, and Jesus blessed the food and then expounded to them of how he fulfilled the law, the prophets. And they suddenly realized it was Jesus and then he disappeared. He prayed 
at the ascension. I mean, we find Jesus prayed a lot as we study his life. So what does that tell us? That tells us we should pray a lot, right? Every part of our life should be part of prayer. John 17, 2 says, As thou hast given him power over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as thou hast given him. And this is life eternal, that they might know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, he's speaking of himself, whom thou hast sent. I have glorified thee on the earth, I have finished the work which thou gavest me to do. Now, obviously, he hasn't died yet, but up to this point, he's done everything that the Father has asked him to do on the earth. And verse five, and now, O Father, glorify thou me with thine own self, with the glory which I had with thee before the world was. There's a doctrinal error that some people teach that Jesus became the Son at the Incarnation. But that is wrong because Jesus always has been the Son. He enjoyed the glory with the Father before the world was, it says here. He did not become the Son of God at the incarnation. He always was the Son of God. And so let's remember that. He left the glories of heaven to come for us, for our sins. And... He's going to give eternal life, and I love that word, eternal life. Isn't that a wonderful word? See, a lot of people that practice religion, and some of it's even called Christianity, they don't understand eternal life. If you go ask someone, if you died today, where would you go? Even if they're religious, where would you go? They may say, I hope I'd go to heaven. That's the most common answer. I'll almost always get that. I hope I'd go to heaven. Well, I know I'm going to heaven. Okay, I told that to a very religious Catholic family that used to go to our camp. They went to Mass every day, even on vacation. Like, wow, that's incredible. Don't you think if anyone would know they're going to heaven, it would be them? I was having a conversation. Of course, I was younger. I maybe didn't have as much wisdom and what not to say. And so I said, no, I know for sure I'm going to heaven. They said, oh, you, that's presumptuous. You cannot say that. I said, well, listen, I'm not presuming upon myself I'm presuming upon Jesus. He offered me eternal life, and I accepted that gift, and I'm saved. I will never perish. I will go to heaven. And I don't know, hopefully that got through to them, but most people don't have the assurance of eternal life. Okay, but the Bible offers it. Jesus offers it. And it says that Jesus is talking to the Father, and he said he should give eternal life to as many as thou hast given him. Well, who does God the Father give eternal life to? And those people that he gave eternal life to, he gives to, to Jesus. Who are those people? Well, some people say, well, that's predestination. God has predetermined certain people to be saved, and so that's them. No. The Bible offers eternal life to every person. So there's no one that can't receive eternal life by faith. So the, the people that do are the ones that God gives to the Son. And vice versa. He will give eternal life to those that God the Father has decreed, which are those that receive his Son. God decreed to save any person who puts their trust in his Son. Verse 6 of John 17. Now we transition from Jesus to from praying about 
himself and his work that he was going to do to bring the Father glory. He's transitioning to now praying for the disciples, his disciples. He says, I have manifested thy name unto the men which thou gavest me out of the world. Now he's talking about his disciples. So God does choose certain people for certain things, but not salvation, not eternal life. That's available to any person, okay? But God does select certain people to do certain things. It's not salvation, but it's service. What's an example of that? Well, he chose Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob to bring forth the Messiah and the scriptures, right? He didn't predetermine Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob to be saved. They had to make that decision. Abraham believed God, and it was counted on him for righteousness, according to the Bible. But he also chose the 12, right? Wouldn't that be God choosing the 12, not for salvation, but they get to be disciples. Okay, that was something that God sovereignly did. He chose the 12 for disciples. And we see that throughout scripture. He would choose people for service, not for salvation. Salvation's offered to any person. If you believe, if you trust, if you receive, now that's the decree of God. You are given to the Son. So it says in John 17, 6, I have manifested thy name. Remember how I said we're gonna come back to that? How did Jesus manifest the Father? What does the word manifest mean? It means to expound, to further explain the name of the Father. What's the name of the Father? I am. So Moses said, who do I say is sending me? What is your name? I am that I am. What is, that name is incredible because it's outside of past, present, and future. I am is always was, always will be, right? Jehovah, the name of God the Father. So how does Jesus expound on the name I am? Well, what did he say? Seven times he said, I am the. So he, by his life and by his words, sheds light on who God is. He says, I am the bread of life. So God is bread, nourishment, salvation, right? I am the light of the world. Remember the seven I am statements. I am the door of the sheepfold. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the good shepherd. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the true vine. So now we know so much more about I am. And we'll start talking tomorrow right away about the the prayer of Christ here in, in John 17 uh, as we resume our study of the story of Jesus on our Thursday edition of In Grace. But aren't you thankful that he has prayed for us and in this prayer we are included? I, I just find that amazing. And the fact that if we want to really learn what the heart of God is, this prayer really reveals that, doesn't it? And it, it, it helps us understand his character, his his quality, his unchangeableness, his power, but his compassion. And so I love this prayer, and it's one of my favorite passages in the Bible. Again, we'll be studying this tomorrow more, so rejoin us for that. And then also on Friday, we're going to be featuring part four of Amazing Arches, where we take you on a journey across the country looking at some incredible natural rock formations. We talk a lot about creation and evolution and the flood and how all of the sedimentary layers formed. We're going to be joined again with Dr. Danny Faulkner, and he is a delightful man to be with, and you'll also get to meet some other people in this program on our Friday edition of In Grace. 
And speaking of amazing arches, you can actually get this video or DVD or digital download when you make a gift of any amount to make sure In Grace continues to broadcast the gospel. And so if you'd like to uh, send a gift of any amount to In Grace, we're going to say thank you by sending you this four-part video series, Amazing Arches. And then those of you that can give a little bit more, $25 or more, we're going to send you a second powerful four-part video series that really highlights creation, also featuring Dr. Danny Faulkner. And this one is called Our Awesome Universe, Big Bang or Big God. Are you looking for an adventure that will take your breath away? Then check out Ingrace's new series, Amazing Arches, that explores the natural beauty of God's creation. Get your copy of Amazing Arches for a gift of any amount. And when your gift is $25 or more, we'll include the popular video series, Our Awesome Universe, Big Bang or Big God. Call now at 800-78-GRACE. Visit our website at ingraceradio.com or write to us at Ingrace P.O. Box 9, Lake Zurich, Illinois, 60047. Thank you for joining us on Ingrace Radio with Jim Scudder, Jr., InGrace is a member of the Evangelical Council for Financial Accountability. Our goal is to share the light of Jesus to a darkening world, helping you find hope, gain purpose, and be a light. You can be that light today by joining our mission to spread the gospel around the world. Just call us, 800-78-GRACE, or go online, ingraceradio.com. You can also write to us at InGrace, P.O. Box 9, Lake Zurich, Illinois, 60047. Tune in tomorrow as we continue to explore God's Word and His world on In Grace Radio.